What is up, guys? Welcome back to the latest episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. My name is Jack Feldman. I am here alongside my co-host, Sammy Krimstein. Ori Yachina, our third co-host, is still in Israel, but he will be back shortly. So, Sammy, let's get right into it. Let's get into the sports. Let's get into your life. How you doing? I am doing very good today. Very well today, I should say. Uh, Got to get better with Word that. pod. Word pod. Are we a, are, are we a grammar pod? We have to decide that. I think after now after that, I think we have to be a grammar pod because that is a very grammar thing. I don't think we can be a grammar pod. Jack says no. Well, I'm very against it. Well, I'm doing well today. It's been uh, kind of dreading going back to school. Kind of excited. It's going to be very weird going back in person because I haven't been back in person really since March of. 2020 so it's been like a year and a half i am not but, looking forward to it you know it'll be excited to it'll be exciting to see people again and we all have to wear masks which makes sense and i'm just hoping it doesn't all get ruined again by all this delta stuff with the delta variant but um i guess we'll have to see with that you know fingers crossed that we get through it but uh you know other than that just uh, i actually went to chicago since the last time you've seen me, I got to see the Cubs twice. I got to see a doubleheader. That was fun. Got to see Cubs Brewers, Freddie Peralta pitch. Now, did the Cubs pay you to go to that game? <laughs> no. So uh, my uncle uh, actually got me tickets. My uncle Jeff, he got us tickets because um, he owns car dealerships and he gets like tickets to games, which is super cool. But um, we, we didn't know it was a doubleheader, obviously, going into it. So the game before got canceled so they had to make it a double header and we were like well we may as well go to both games i mean how many times do i get to go to wrigley field so we actually similarly to what we did we found really the cheapest seats in the stadium for that first game like 14 dollars, barely anything upper deck it was amazing every seat's a good seat at wrigley field i love being there they lost both games of course because you know, that's what they do now. But it was just great being there. I got to see Freddie Peralta pitch, which was pretty good. He's been amazing this year. So, yeah, I got to see Rain Delay. I got to see a little bit of everything, but uh, it's fun in Chicago. But other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Went off a little bit. But, uh, Jack, how are you doing? You doing pretty good? I'm doing fantastic, Sammy. Awesome. Fantastic. It is nice outside, although it's it's very hot today. It's been hot lately, yeah. It's been really hot lately, but... Simi, let's just get right into the basketball. I have not talked basketball. NBA offseason drama. Sammy. Drama. Some teams win in free agency because in free agency and life, Sammy, there are winners and losers, right? So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the NBA offseason winners and losers. So we each have picked up one winner and one loser from NBA free agency. Sammy, do you want to start us off with your winner? Yes, and if you know me, if you've been listening to the podcast, you already know who my NBA offseason winner is. It's the Chicago Bulls. Because I'm shocked. Did, Jack is shocked. I'm sure everyone is shocked. It's a shocker. No, it's not. I'm a Bulls fan, of course. Had to pick the Bulls because they really 
they're making the fan base happy. And for the first time, it looks like the Chicago Bulls, are for the first time in a long time, are going to be putting a competitive basketball team and a team that can compete for the Eastern Conference Finals. I really do believe that they can do that because they did exactly what they needed to do. A big need was a point guard, a playmaker, and someone who can bring perimeter defense to your starting lineup because those were areas where they were not strong last year. You're kind of going between Tomas Sadaransky and Colby White at point guard. Neither of them are the kind of playmakers that you really want when you have the kind of scorer like Zach Levine in your offense. And now, of course, Nikola Vucevic. Bonzo Ball, they go out and get him perfect addition. Perfect fit to complement Levine, Vucevic, uh, two really good scores. Lonzo Ball is that playmaker sort of guy, but in my eyes, more importantly, is that perimeter defense that Lonzo is going to supply to this Bulls team. The Bulls were not good defensively last year, especially on the perimeter. I think the three-point percentage against the Bulls, uh, other teams shooting against the Bulls, was higher than almost any other team. Lonzo Ball, great perimeter defender. He has been since his time in the NBA, so that is going to really help the Bulls in that department. That was a great sign-and-trade sort of thing. Another sign-and-trade, DeMar DeRozan. And this one is a little more controversial. Jack, I'm sure, I think you told me that the Bulls may have been an overpay here for DeMar DeRozan. And a lot of people are saying that it won't be a good mesh between DeMar, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic. Did I say that? I don't I don't think I did. Maybe. Maybe you did. I don't know. I, I say a lot, a lot of things. Of, you say a lot of things. A lot of people have been saying that this could be a mistake. I very much disagree. When you look at championship caliber teams, which the Bulls are trying to be, any team's trying to be a championship caliber team, you have to have two or three really good scorers, all-star caliber scorers. The Bulls have three of those guys. Levine's obviously your superstar in my eyes. Nikola Vucevic, the guy at the trade deadline, one of the best big men shooters in the league, very underrated. And DeMar DeRozan, this guy's been a top scorer in the league for like five or six years. He's already had a championship under his belt, of course, in uh, Toronto back in his days over there. I think this is a great signing for the Bulls. And they seriously have a starting lineup of a bunch of guys who could be all-stars. Levine, I expect to be an all-star. Vucevic was an all-star last year. I could see that again. DeMar DeRozan can do that any year. They have some real players. Patrick Williams, Jack, FSU product, right? He has a lot Absolutely. of... His ceiling is high. He played really well in Summer League. Things are looking up for the Bulls. Off the bench, too, they made some more under-the-radar uh, acquisitions. The big one, I guess, the big under-the-radar, Alex Caruso, the balding legend, if you are to say. Uh, yeah. 25 going on 25,000 years old. <laughs> but the Caruso is coming to Chicago. Caruso? Caruso. Caruso. I don't know. Caruso. I, I heard people say that. It, I like it. It has a good ring to it, don't you? Don't you? I, I mean, Caruso is better than Caruso. Caruso. I, don't, I, don't, I don't like Caruso, but Sammy, the Bulls had a great free agency. And Sammy, another team that had a great free agency is the Miami Heat. They are my winners. All right. Well, what did they do, Jack? Take us through it. So the headliner for free agency is obviously Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is on his way to Miami on a three-year, $90 million deal. They are also extending Jimmy Butler for four years, $184 million. 
basketball players make so much money, man. He's getting paid over $50 million a year in his age 36 season. Man, Jimmy Butler's 36? No, um, he's not. But, like, in his age 36 season, he will be paid that much. Oh, oh, I see, I see. Okay. Jimmy Butler's 31. Okay. Jimmy Butler is not 36. I was confused. Okay, yeah. But still, that's going to be a lot of money. Yeah. They also are re-signing Duncan Robinson. They signed P.J. Tucker. They signed Markeith Morris, who is a move I really like, and some other lower, low off-the-radar moves. But I think Kyle Lowry is such a big addition to this team. And I think he's gonna I think he's gonna make a big difference. I think, you know, the big three of Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and Bam Abdebayo is a, a legitimate, you know, that's a legit big three that can contend for an Eastern Conference final. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. They're not I don't think they're better than the Nets. I don't think they're better than the Bucks, but they're certainly up there. They're certainly up there. Yeah, and we have to remember, you know, last year was definitely an off year for this Heat team, and they had moments where they showed greatness. This is a team that just, you know, a year and a half ago won or was right there with the Lakers in the NBA Finals. This is still that kind of team. They haven't changed too much. If anything, they've only been making additions. They had a really good trade deadline. They got some good pieces last year. And then you bring in Kyle Lowry, who I think is a great addition, a very seasoned point guard. That's what you want at the point guard position. You want someone who's been there, done that. Kyle Lowry is a former NBA champion. He's who you want. Jimmy Butler is a grit, total grit. And then you got um He's a gritty guy for sure. He had a down year last year, but the athleticism for that guy is off the charts. This is a very well-built Heat team. They can beat you in a lot of ways. Really good defensive team. They got some scores that can hurt you. They got some veterans. I like what the Heat can be able to do. And they're I maybe a sleeper team. I don't know. I don't know if people are sleeping on them because I think but they can seriously make it some noise in the Eastern Conference right up there with the Bucks and the Nets. I agree with you, Jack. Now it's time. Like you said, there are winners and there are losers. My loser here in NBA free agency slash offseason is the Portland Trailblazers. The big story going into the offseason was all about Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard was very unhappy. Clearly, he was not beaten around the bush with being unhappy in Portland. He wanted them to go out and get some star power, get some guys that can make Portland a championship-caliber team. Because Damian's been there for the long haul. And really, for his whole tenure in Portland, they've been a mediocre team. They've fallen into that mediocre trap. They're not good enough to get great draft picks. or They're not bad enough to get good draft picks, but they're not good enough to be a championship-caliber team. And they didn't do anything to change that. They made some... Okay moves. They got Ben McLemore, Cody Zeller, and Tony Snell. All solid role players, yes. Like, that's fine. But that's not what Dean Lillard wanted. That's not nearly enough to satisfy the star power guys he wanted to bring into Portland to make it a championship caliber team. Those are the only free agent moves they made. Besides that, they also re-signed Norman Powell. That's probably the best move they made. He's coming off his best year. He's been a super underrated scorer for a while in this league. But Damian Lillard, that's what this offseason was about. Because now all of a sudden, he's probably going to be demanding a trade. In the past few days, I've seen a lot of articles talking about Damian Lillard. 
and how he might get that ramped up again. And he is that franchise. Losing Damian Lillard is losing your franchise, in my eyes, for the Trailblazers. And they are putting themselves in a position where that can become a reality. So they did not do their job. We have star players. You have to satisfy them. And I'm going to go back to the Bulls just for a second. Zach Levine was in the same position. He wanted stars. He wanted a championship-caliber team. And it's yet to be seen what the Bulls will do. But the Bulls' front office definitely made an effort. And they show, they're show they showing Zach Levine that they care and that they're trying to make this a championship-caliber team. They did the right thing. The Trailblazers did not do that. They were in a position to, but they failed. So they are my big loser because they may end up losing Damian Lillard because of all this. That would really hurt that fan base and that franchise. Jack, who is your loser? What Any thoughts if you, you want to add on the whole Damian Lillard, Trailblazers sort of situation? I agree with that. That's definitely – that they lost. Let's just put it that way. Sammy, my loser is Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Basically, all of the big-name point guards went off the board in day one, but Schroeder did not. He stayed on the market, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because there is no doubt that Schroeder was going to get a contract. He's a solid point guard, but he was reportedly offered $84 million by the Los Angeles Lakers. $84 million. Sammy, would you, what could you do with $84 million? What could he do? I don't know. Think about the amount of baseball games you could go to for $84 million. You don't have to get the cheap seats anymore. You could get the expensive seats. Oh, the expensive seats. You could probably buy, like, season tickets in a box for $84 million. Like, right? Are you kidding? I mean, I mean obviously, definitely. Uh, what am I saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, what, you what, could. Is, what are you thinking? I mean, what could, and then he, I guess. It's generational money. But he that. thought, yeah. he got selfish, Sammy. He thought he could get. 100 to 120 million dollars which no way would i take would i take 84 million dollars or have an opportunity to get 100 million dollars or maybe get like a lot like 5 mil like i'm taking the 84 there's not a big enough difference between 84 million and 120 million like yes i mean it is a huge difference but like we're we're talking you're going to be set for life there but he did not he did not take it, and I think he got a a four million dollar contract. I think it was it was not it was not eighty four million. It was like no. not even close to eighty million. No, I mean, but like what Dennis Schroeder, the Lakers were giving you a gift. I mean, the Lakers are obviously going to be a contender. I mean, they have a big three. They were offering him eighty four million four years to be on a championship contender team with possibly the greatest basketball player ever to play. Or he just goes off and signs, like, I don't know, like a tiny little one-year contract with Boston. Maybe his idea is that he's going to go off in Boston. He wants to have more playing time. Maybe he can be a starter more consistently in that Boston rotation. I think he's hoping to prove himself. But... Still, $84 million? I don't even I think even if he has his best season, I don't know if he'd even be worth that kind of money. It, you know, because last year I looked at his stats. 15, Sammy, 15, he four, is definitely eight, not. 15, 3, and 5. He he shot 33% from three. That's not very good. 
That's not he, good he, at all. He is, he is, he, he is even more delusional than when you said the Tampa Bay Rays would finish third in the AL East. And Sammy, let's talk about the AL East because the landscape has changed drastically. Oh, yeah. Now, the Rays are still in sole possession of first place, but the Yankees have won six straight. They are now in sole possession of the first wildcard spot. I see that smile. As they face. sweep the Red Sox in a three-game series, and the Red Sox have fallen from first in the AL East to third in a matter of weeks. They blew a 10-and-a-half game lead over the Yankees in the wildcard standings. Jack. Sammy, I think you I'm doing be- well. Jack, I'm I think you well. ought to pinch yourself here because this is like a dream for you, I would imagine. I mean, the Yankees are surging. The Red Sox are just falling off the face of the They are putrid, Sammy. They are putrid. Sudden. I mean, this is serious stuff for the just Yankees. Watching this team is so much fun. Like, the lineup is just unbelievable. And Glaber still hurt. Geo still hurt on the offensive side of things. Obviously, Sevy and Kluber. But, oh, my God. It's... It's a great time to be a Yankee fan. Well, and with the Red Sox, the funny thing is, it was a pretty big deal. They were getting sale back. I want to say that was like maybe a week ago, maybe a little less. And since then, they've fallen that that they've really fallen off since they've gotten sale back. And he's only had one start. He wasn't that bad. But I just I find it funny that they've been waiting all year to get Chris Sale back. He comes back and then you fall into third place. And by no means are the Red Sox out of anything. I mean they're still right up there. I think they may be tied for that second wild card spot, maybe like a half game out. Let me just double check right here. AL Red Sox. Yes, they are tied for that second wild card spot with the A's. So they're right in there. And Jack, I, I we were talking about this before, but on air here, I gotta say it. Red Sox, Yankees wild card game would be pretty amazing. And you said if, you if we could get a Yankees. Yankees Red Sox wild card game, and then I don't know in the NL like a Dodgers Padres. That would be, I mean, th- that that would be the greatest two days of my life. Well, and you said you try and go right as a baseball. Fan. Oh, I would, I would be there. I would be there. Yeah, I mean, I that I, that that that's exciting. I mean, just thinking about that because it's a real possibility. Uh, like last time we talked, Jack, on this podcast, I, I would I would not want that to happen. If I could choose between that happening and that not happening, I would not want to see that. I do not want to see the Red Sox in a one game playoff. I'm sorry, I would, so I would rather, much rather have the A's. You'd much rather. Have the I mean, much rather. I the A's are a very good team, but I want no part of Chris Sale. Oh my god, that I would be so scared. I'll be so scared no matter who we play, but I'll be very scared. Yeah, I mean, so you de- you're, are you sure you'd rather face the Red Sox? Me- or rather face the A's? I mean, because the A's are, I mean, they've been there all year. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to face either. I want to win the division, Sammy. I want to win the division. You think that's a, within reach? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's out of the question. We're five games back. I mean, Five games is not insurmountable. I don't think it's likely. Like, I, if I had to choose who I think is winning the AL East, I would say it is the Rays because they never lose. But if we can cut the lead down to to three, two to three games, we play the A, we play the Rays in the last last series of the season. Wow, that's going to be so, huge. 
I mean, if he can, if he can control our own destiny, if he, if we can make it, so if we sweep the Rays, or if we win two out of three, but it, it's not going to be easy. So another division, Sammy, that has just been unbelievable this year, not on the field, but just when you look at this division, it's been so fun to keep track of the NL East, Sammy. The, I'm saying Sammy so much. You are saying Sammy quite a lot. I am. I am. I'm the, the star Braves. The Braves take first place, and now they have some breathing room. They have won six straight games, three and a half game lead. The Mets, the Mets have, I mean, imploded. The ship is sinking. People are jumping overboard. It's exploding. It's it's upside down. It's going everywhere. They fall to five hundred, below five hundred, and are in third place in the NL East. It is a disaster in Mets world right now. It really is a disaster in Mets world. I mean, they really messed up at the trade deadline. I'll put it that way. Baez hasn't played that much. He got hurt, which you have to consider was a risk. He's always been a guy that has sort of attracted injuries. He, he's faced injuries a lot in his career as a Cub. I would know that. But he's been hurt. This offense has just gone stone cold. And I've, that's always been my concern with this Mets team. It's been the offense. You know, they're... 28th in run scored. They're 24th in batting average, 26th in slug. All the offensive stats, they're in the bottom 10. They can't even steal bases. They're 29th in stolen bases. Their pitching has been good all year, but it's fallen off a lot. You know why? DeGrom. DeGrom has been hurt, and that hurts them so much. And that's the thing. DeGrom is great. I love DeGrom. He's like the best pitcher possibly ever. He's incredible. But when you have a guy like that, you have so much weight on his shoulders. And when he's not there, it's really tough. And I'm not saying this Mets rotation isn't good. It is. It has a lot of guys who've been pitching very well this year. But Ty, let me just give you an example. Taiwan Walker. He's a guy that had a sub-3 ERA just a few months ago. But since DeGrom has gone down, there's more weight on their shoulders. And he's been struggling. His ERA has imploded to almost 4 which isn't bad, but you have to consider where it was. He's been struggling a lot as of late. The only pitcher, I'd say, who's been pitching well in that rotation lately, Marcus Stroman. Besides that, they can't He's been good. a really good outing. He's been good. But without DeGrom, I don't think the Mets have a chance. I think if DeGrom comes back, I think there's a little tiny chance because they're, they're out of it right now. They're five and a half out of first, and that's their only – way into the playoffs. I mean, there's no way they're going to be able to get a wild card spot. They're at 500 right now. Speaking of a wild card spot, the Padres and the Reds in the NL have been duking it out. The Padres just got an incredible boost up with Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back, but the Reds are not giving up. I'm looking forward to seeing this race down the stretch because the Reds believe, like they believe they can make the playoffs. Yeah, Jack. And you know who else believes the Reds can make the playoffs? I this guy? This guy? I believe that who the Reds... two thumbs and think the Reds are making the playoffs? This guy. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, but seriously, the Reds are a much better team than people give them credit for. And I remember last year, we had... I don't think the Padres have the pitching. I don't think the Padres have the pitching either. You look at Blake Snell. He's had a few good outings here and there, but on the road... He can't pitch. He hasn't really been able to pitch at all on the road. As this Padres team in general, they haven't been able to win on the road. And if you're trying 
to win games in a playoff push, you're going to be playing games on the road. And they just they are not the same team. You look at the Reds, they're pretty even at home on the road. Very good at home. I will say that. They have some hitters. I take the Reds lineup over the Padres lineup with confidence. Like, I think, you know, with the snap of my fingers, I take the Reds lineup. You got Jesse Winker, who's been an MVP caliber guy this year. He's not going to win it, obviously, but he's been right up there. He has an OPS of 955. Nick Castellanos has been in that same conversation. You have Jonathan India, rookie of the year in the NL, in my eyes. He's been phenomenal all year. Joey Votto's been starting to heat up. 944 OPS. Tyler Stevenson and Tucker Barnhart at catcher. You have two guys you can rely on. The Padres don't have that kind of depth. They really don't. I mean, the Reds have more guys. I look at their lineup and, like, they don't have any weak spots in my eyes. Maybe Kyle Farmer, the shortstop, but he hasn't been putrid. The Padres definitely have some unexpected holes in that lineup. Hosmer has not been very good, right? Hosmer has not been very good. You know, Adam Frazier hasn't been quite as good since they acquired him. He's struggled since they've acquired Adam Frazier. Still leads the league in hits, yes. You know, you do get Tatis back. That is the case for the Padres. But with Darvish hurt, you really, I know you have one pitcher I can really, really rely on that I love in Joe Musgrove. I mean, Jack, Jack what's your take? I'm taking the Reds here. The Padres- I agree. I don't think the I don't think the Padres have the pitching, man. I don't. Their pitching is just not up to snuff. And I agree. The pitching that is up to snuff, Sammy, is some pitchers we're about to talk about because this is our first episode in August. We we put out the vlog. But this is our first actual episode in August. So we're just going to do, instead of Pitcher of the Week, just Pitcher so far since our last episode. So, so far in August. Would you like me to start it off? Yes, you can start it off. I'll let you go. Okay, I have Luis Hill. Now, he's made three game, three starts in his career. Only three. He's pitched 15 and two-thirds inning, innings. And he has let up, guess how many runs, Sammy? Guess how many runs? Two. No runs. No runs. He has let up no runs. Now, he's a 2.22 FIP, which is, it's good. You know, it's, it's not no runs good, but it's good. And his expected FIP is 4.71. So, there is, you know, he definitely... Has, I think he has to go back down to the minors to work on his control because you can tell his stuff is electric. His fastball is an elite fastball. It's like I think it could be a top five, top ten fastball in all of baseball. He has the spin rate, the spin efficiency, the exit the, or the velo, exit velo, the velo to get it up there. You know, it's not like triple digits, but he can touch a hundred. He hasn't done it yet, but he's done it in the minors. He he normally. Tops out at 98. He sits 90, 95 to 97. And then, you know, he gets it up to 98 a couple times an inning when he needs to. But his spin rate's high. It's an elite pitch. And his slider is great. And he's striking out. I mean, he's averaging 10.34 strikeouts a game. So if he can work on his walks, which I think he will be able to do, he's going to be a great pitcher for many years to come as he is only 23. Yeah, I 
I remember his first outing, you know, and a few weeks ago. Luis Hill is going to be very good. I'm excited to see him and maybe get him back down to the minors, like you said. But the Yankees have a rotation that in the next few years, with when some of these pitchers start coming back up to the majors, you have Cole long-term, obviously. It's going to be a very good rotation, which even maybe as some of the hitters go off because of the contracts, you're going to have a solid rotation, which is going to keep you in competition and with a chance to win always. So I really like Luis Hill. Good pick, Jack. I'm going to go, it's the first time I've done this, I'm going to go with kind of two pitchers here. But they're on the same team, so we're going to count them kind of the same. Because originally I was going to go with Charlie Morton of the Atlanta Braves, and he's been phenomenal. Charlie Morton has been great. But then I saw right up there Max Freed. And I also was thinking, well, the Braves have been really good lately. They've won six games straight. And the dots connected. The pitching has been the reason the Braves have gotten back into first place in the NL East. They have the offense, even without Acuna. They have a very good lineup, but that pitching has been super hot as of late, and that's how they've gotten back into first place. Let me just take you through these two pitchers. Huge part of their resurgence. In August, Charlie Morton has led qualifying pitchers in strikeouts. That's over guys like Corbin Burns. That's over guys like... I don't know. You know, Garrett Cole. Like, that, that's over a lot of strikeout pitchers. And he's leading the league with 29 strikeouts. Him and Freed both have a caper nine above nine. Very, very good stuff. They're both, are, Morton is second, and Freed is third in MLB in expected FIP, both in the two range. That's really good. You have two guys pitching like that? Are you kidding me? That's exactly what you want in the midst of a playoff race. Tough word, word pod, midst. Midst of a playoff race. Midst. Yeah, and, and you know, Charlie Morton is a guy who's been a, quietly a tough pitcher in baseball in the past few years, and Max Freed has been dealt with injuries, unfortunately, but he can definitely be the ace of this Braves rotation for years to come. He's proven that he can be even after the injury. We're seeing it here in August. He's been phenomenal. Yeah, but both these guys, top pitches, and I also want to take you, their best pitch, both the curveball. Morton's curveball has a negative 16 run value, which is it's a pretty advanced analytic. I don't know how much you know about it. I, I don't know that much about it, Jack. But it's like, I want to say that's like 90th percentile. So really, really good stuff for both of these guys, both using that curveball to their advantage. But um, the Braves have a seriously good rotation, that is coming back at the perfect time. They have a nice little cushion in first place in the NL East. I'm excited to see what the Braves can do, especially with Morton and Freed pitching well. So, yeah, they are my kind of co-pitchers of August so far. I'm going to go with this oh, player of August so far. And, you know, the Cubs have not been very good since the trade deadline. They lost 12 straight games at a point, but... Frank Schwindel is possibly Frank Schwindel is possibly the best baseball player of all time. He might be. I remember I saw his first plate appearance of the year. I was there in DC the day after the trade deadline, and I was like, "Who is this guy? Frank Schwindel? Are you kidding me?" I mean, like I was just laughing about it. Like, of course, Frank Schwindel is kind of a funny name. I was laughing. But Frank Schwindel has proven me wrong. He has extra base hits, 
in all of the last seven games. Each game he has an extra base hit. That's incredible. All Those of them. guys can't even get seven game hit streaks. This guy has a seven game extra base hit streak. So because of that, he leads MLB in extra base hits since August 5th. He has a 741 slug in August, which also equates to a 210 WRC+. Plus. Frank Schwindel is raking right now. He has been the highlight of this Cubs lineup, which is kind of consisting of a bunch of guys getting an opportunity. And yes, it's been rough to watch Cubs games that obviously don't matter. But I will say it's been fun to watch guys like Schwindel, Rafael Ortega, Patrick Wisdom, guys who wouldn't have gotten a chance otherwise. They're getting an opportunity at the big league level, and a lot of these guys are taking advantage of it and are playing pretty well. I mean, when you look at the Cubs lineup, it hasn't even been that bad. It's really been the pitching that has caused them to have all these losses, but it's been fun to see. Schwindel has been incredible in August. He's my position player of August so far. Jack, who's your position player of August? What do you think? Come on, Frank Schwindel. Frank Schwindel, I don't know if I got you beat in the name department, but my position player of August is Josh Rojas. Oh, okay. Sammy, he has put up a 245 WRC plus in the month of August. He's hitting 483 with a 516 on base percentage and slugging almost 800. He's slugging 793. He has been unbelievable in the month of August. So he is my position player well you talk about i was just talking about guys getting chances that's been all year for the diamondbacks all year diamondbacks they, they they're not good so a lot of guys yeah. have opportunities that's one way of putting level. it and josh rojas has been one of their best players i remember he had a very good series against the cubs i was listening on the radio he was very very good and i guess he's been good since then as well josh rojas has been a bright spot for the diamondbacks speaking of the diamondbacks we haven't even talked about this jack Tyler Gilbert threw a no-hitter. That is so cool. For the Diamondbacks. And it's obviously been a rough year for them. But a few good things. You have Josh Rojas, incredible in August. You got Tyler Gilbert throws a no-hitter. That was amazing to watch. And they are no longer the worst team in baseball, Jack. Because No, they got out of it. The Orioles have lost 14 games straight and have taken that crown if you were if you are to say from the diamondbacks so things are looking up for the d-backs they have some guys playing they've won two games straight <laughs> yeah i know i mean it's been a rough year obviously for the d-backs i wouldn't say have, i wouldn't say up i would say maybe slightly less down but they're still going down yeah but you know it's fun to, i back to josh rojas he'd been playing very well he's a good young player for them I expect big things from him. You know, he's been playing very well so far, so why not? Got to expect big things out of your guys that are playing well. But, Jack, we're going to move on here. Overrated, underrated. This is one of my favorite segments we do on the show. And I have two players I have feel pretty strongly about today um, for overrated, underrated. Basically, if you haven't been with us, it's pretty simple. Both of us pick a player that we think is overrated. I have some strong takes here, Sam. That we think is underrated. And that's the name of the game. That's all it is. It's very simple, to the point. Let's, Jack, do you want to start with overrated or underrated today? Let's start with overrated. All right, I'm going to let you go first here. You're letting me go first. Okay, I appreciate that. 
<laughs> oh my god. Okay. I just exited it out of one of the tabs that I needed open. Okay, I got it back. Here we go. All right. My overrated player. I'm going to give you a hint to who it is, okay? All right. He leads the league in swings and misses at pitches outside of the zone. Oh, well. <laughs> I you think get, take only, is he on the IL right now? That is not part of the hint. I need a guess. I, it's got to be Javi Baez. Javier Baez comes in second place. Who comes in first? Who is the only player in baseball that swings and misses at pitches outside of the zone more than Javier Baez? Mm. Do you want another hint? Yeah. He's an all-star. Hmm. All right. All right. Wait, let me think. I, I like this guessing game here. Hmm. Swing and miss. Is he like, he's not MVP candidate. No. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, swing and miss. Swing and miss. Is he like young? Is he like kind of a veteran? He's definitely a veteran. Catcher. He is a catcher. AL? NL? AL. Salvador Perez? It is Salvador Perez. Interesting. Okay. I, I was thinking that. I was like, I feel like he's a swing and miss guy. Salvador Perez. Like Salvador that. Perez has swung at 220 pitches outside of the zone that is the most in baseball. He also has the most swings and misses in a single game with eight. And he also has the second most swing and misses in a game with seven. And actually, Sammy, the team that has the most swings and misses outside of the zone is the Chicago Cubs, which I thought was funny. But well, it's all Javi Baez from earlier in the year. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that's pretty funny. But Salvador Perez, now when I think of catchers, offensive capabilities is nice, right? But it's icing on the cake. You have to be a good defensive catcher. And Salvador Perez is the worst defensive catcher in baseball. Not good. He is the worst defensive catcher in baseball. He can't frame whatsoever. And I know what you might say. Yes, electronic strike zones are coming, but they're not here yet. So framing still matters. He's not a good blocker. He's not a good framer. Yes, he's durable. And that does count for a lot. But the man has a, oh, he has a 310 on base percentage. That's really bad. I get it. Like catchers probably won't get on base that much, but 310 getting on base and a 310 clip is terrible. Now, he has 30 home runs, and he's in a, he does have a 120 WRC+, plus, but he's a 2.1 war, which I'm going to compare with another guy here that, you know, it's, it is a very small sample size. He's only played in 60 games this season, but he already has a 2.4 war. 0.3 more than Salvador Perez. Max Stassi. Interesting. Max Stassi has an 130 WRC plus and is a much better defender. Max Stassi's been very underrated. And he's getting under base, getting on base at a 353 clip. So I just wanted to compare that. Now, what is your overrated player? Because you you were you were hyping it up, so I'm excited. All right, so. This all started yesterday. Let me guess. Did. Give me do what I did. Give me like a hint. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, what's a good hint? 
his expected stats are not nearly as good as his real stats. That is an atrocious hint. That is not a good hint. Okay. Well, is he is he a pitcher then? No, he is. Okay. A, he's a position player. In I'll, uh, he's in the AL East, and p- some people. Okay, so I saw a TikTok yesterday. This is where it all started. Okay, and it put this player at the top of his position. So I did a little more digging, and I just—it's a bad take. And I—he's but he's had a good year. He's had a solid year, but not the kind of year people are giving him credit for. Having. Now, now when I say so, this is your overrated player. Overrated. Okay. Now, when I said Salvador Perez is an all-star, that's a great hint. That's a tremendous hint. I need a good hint. He, this player's an all-star. I'm like not even sure. Like he's he's definitely an all-star. Can you tell me what position he plays? Plays second base. Well, if you're thinking of DJ LeMayu, he's not an all-star. I'm not thinking of DJ LeMayu. I okay. I like DJ. He's having a down year, but I love. Yeah. Okay. Let me think. Like he's having like a good year, but I'm. Who's this? Is the second baseman for the Blue Jays? It's not Kevin Biggio, is it? No. No, it. it but I know, but so Marcus uh, Simeon. Marcus Simeon. Oh, he is their second baseman because yes. Bobichet. Oh, I don't know why I didn't put that together. Marcus Simeon. Simeon. <laughs> Marcus Simeon, you think he's under eight or over eight? I, I mean, he's having a fantastic year. He's having a good year. He's having a solid year. He's an eight sixty seven OPS. That's that's. Wait, just hold on, everyone. Hold your okay. Mind. Give I, your case. Present who your case. Think he's the best second baseman in baseball. Who do I think is the best second baseman in baseball? Do you think it's Simeon? That, that's all I'm asking. It's not him. Like, there's no way, right? I, don't, I mean, name some other second baseman. I'm having a brain for Altuve, Albies. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm. He's not. I would say no. I would say he's not the best second baseman. Jonathan in India, I'd, I'd even put over him at this point, honestly. But that's not the point. He's having a great year. Daniel Marte, standard. Yeah, okay, I, I, yeah. He eight to seven OPS. That's great. Five thirty slug. His expected slug. Is 434. That is like a hundred points less than his real slug, which means he's getting pretty lucky. His expected batting average is 238. That's like 30, 40 points less than his real batting average of 270. So, yes, on paper, he's having a good year. And I'm not saying he's having a bad year at all. He's having a very solid year, but he's been getting very lucky. And I'm really just basing this off a of TikTok I saw that said he was the best second baseman in baseball because there's no way. I put Sam, Al- he gets heated I from Al- some TikToks. <laughs> I put Altuve over him. I'll, I'll put a lot of guys over him. I'd have to think about it a little bit more. But, yeah, Marcus Simeon, overrated. I don't think he's quite as good as people are giving credit for being. I'm going to go with my underrated now. And, Jack, I love this guy. No one talks about him, but he is, I think he's possibly a top 20 hitter in baseball. He's very good. If you say I Frank Schwindel, I'm going to leave right now. No, I, I'm, gonna say that. I'm not going to say Frank Schwindel. That's okay. Kyle Tucker is a legitimate stud. 
he is going to be one of the best players in baseball throughout the course of his career. He already is one of the best hitters in baseball. If you look at his baseball savant, it is pretty ridiculous. His expected slug is 96th percentile. His expected WOBA, 95th percentile. That is 563, the expected. That's good. That's, That's really muy bueno. 301 expected batting average. Standard stats, if you're an old school guy, that'll work too. He has a 272 batting average, 334 on base, very solid, 103 hits on the year. That's among the league leaders, 22 home runs. He's been so good. Defense too. Want some defense? 85th percentile and outs above average. He, he's unbelievable. Unbelievably defensively. Yeah. Struggle getting to the Tucker, And this Astros team has a lot of good hitters. You know, Yuli Gurriel, Altuve, Bregman, who's hurt right now, obviously. But Kyle Tucker, I'd put him at this point in his career over any of those guys because he's just hitting the ball with a burning passion. And another thing, a lot of guys with this kind of slug don't strike out that much or strike out a ton. But Tucker only strikes out 17% of the time. That is ridiculous. He's having an incredible year. Nobody is talking about Kyle Tucker. No one. Why aren't we talking about him? Why not? And he's 24 years old. Kyle Tucker's 24. I mean, he's going to be an absolute stud. I, I just, I don't know why we're not talking about this guy. Every single statistic I'm looking at here says he's a top hitter in baseball, a top 20 hitter in baseball. People just don't talk about him for whatever reason. He smashes. I think he gets some love in the analytics community. Every sort of pitch he hammers. He hammers the four-seam fastball. He hammers the changeup. He hammers the curveball. Hammers the cutter. The only pitch that gives him a bit of trouble, slider. But it's okay because he's just demolishing all these other kind of pitches. I mean, I, I, I got very heated there about Kyle Tucker. But he is... You, you might have broken a sweat. I broke, I broke a few sweats, without a doubt. But he's so good. He is seriously a top hitter in baseball. I've said that a lot. But, um, Jack, Jack, what are your thoughts on Kyle Tucker? And then you can go on your underrated. Yeah, so Kyle Tucker, he has great speed, great range, great outfielder. His hitting has improved a ton. He's a great player. And my my guy is also a great player. And you might think that he's not overrated or underrated because he's an all-star. But I just don't think he's getting the love that he deserves. All right. And that is Brandon Belt. Oh, yeah. All right. Brandon Belt has been unbelievable this season. If and and, and not not just Brandon Belt. The Brandons on the Giants. Because Brandon Crawford is another guy. Brandon Crawford has an 138 WRC plus. He's putting up a four war so far. He's gonna be like a he can be a five, six war player. Oh, He's hitting over three hundred. I mean, has that goal. I mean, yeah, he's an unbelievable shortstop defensively. And let me compare Brandon Crawford because when you think of Brandon Crawford, you think of a really good player, but you're not thinking of a top five shortstop in baseball, right? I mean, right now I am. Yeah, he is. This year I wasn't. I think Brandon Crawford has been a top three shortstop in baseball this season. 100%. I mean, he's been incredible. He's look at someone like Carlos Correa. Mm -hmm. Carlos Correa. 
has an 135 WRC plus. Brandon Belt or uh, Brandon Crawford has an 138 WRC plus. That's three better. Well, and and you look at the defense, right? I mean, no one is a better defensive shortstop than no. Brandon Bell or Brandon Crawford. I keep seeing it. Brandon Crawford has a 536 slugging percentage. Carlos Correa has a 476 slugging percentage. That's a huge difference. Brandon Crawford is a 366 on base percentage. Carlos Correa, 364 on base percentage. Brandon Bell is hitting 300. Carlos Correa hitting 273. Brandon Crawford, 19 home runs. Carlos Correa, 19 home runs. Brandon Crawford also is a better defensive shortstop. So Brandon Crawford is a better shortstop this season than Carlos Correa, and he's not getting nearly enough love. I agree. And you you talked about Brandon Belt, too. I'm looking at his baseball savant page. This guy has been a phenomenal hitter dating back to 2015. I mean, this guy, I'm looking at the expected stats since they introduced them. He's had, you you know, Jack, you know when it shows up in the red? Right. Uh huh. Yeah. That means that you're like top ten percent of the league, and he has top the dark red in the expected stats dating back to 2015, and he's been doing it consistently throughout his entire career. Brandon Bell has never really slowed down, and what I love about the Giants is that they had this World Series core in 2015, 2013 when they won a bunch of World Series, and that consisted of Crawford, Belt, Buster Posey. You stick with those three guys. And They're you know, still the ones doing it. The surroundings change, but those three guys are here while the Giants are the best team in baseball in 2021, six years later. And I think about the Cubs. Part of me wishes they would have done that, given a run with the three World Series guys and seeing if they could later in their career. I mean, they did the right thing. They did the right thing. Okay, I'll, but you know, back to the Giants. It's just cool to see how guys that were in the World Series in the World Series core back all the way in 2015 are still in that World Series core here in 2021, a team that can definitely get there, one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team in baseball. But yeah, that was a fun segment, Jack. I, I think we had some that was a good really segment. good takes. Kyle Tucker is my favorite, of course, though. I I, I could go on and on about how much I love him. He's been so good. But, uh, yeah, let's – we haven't talked about football in a while, Jack. No, let's talk some pigskin. Let's talk some pigskin. And we're not going to go too much here with the football, but we got some pre Because we will, we will have a football prediction special coming out yes. soon. Yeah, we, we got some preseason action, a lot of preseason action. And, Jack, let's talk about the rookie quarterbacks. We saw some guys do really well. Justin Fields did well. Trey Lance did very well with the 49ers. Some guys that didn't do well. Zach Wilson. Did not Zach Wilson did not do bad. I think Zach Wilson, he did fine. Like, he looked fine. But, Jack, I want to just – those three guys, but you could also talk about some others if you want with the rookie quarterbacks. What's your take? How much do you want to buy stock into what actually happens in the preseason? Is it important – if I'm a Bears fan, should I be jumping off the roof right now? Or, you know, should I be a little more chill waiting what happens? Preseason football, you should take literally zero stock in. Like, zero. Like, it should not mean a thing. With that being said, like, yes, you're, you're happy that Justin Fields played well as a Bears fan. That's better than him playing bad. But 
it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Although it is nice to see him play well, but oh yeah, preseason football I think is so stupid, and you should take more stock into the two team scrimmages in training camp than the actual preseason games. So why why is that? Is it because guys aren't really getting first team? It's just it's just the offenses are so vanilla. The defenses they're facing are so vanilla. They're not facing the first teams. No one's going all out. No one's trying to to, to hurt the quarterback. You know, everyone's trying not to get injured if they're uh you know if they're a bona fide starter in this league. So guys like Justin Fields. You know, they're not going against the same competition they're going to go against in the regular season. And that's the competition on the field and also the competition by the defensive coordinator. So I'll agree with you for the most part. I think if you're getting, fir- if you're a preseason guy and you're getting first team reps, I think that's pretty important. I think if you do well against a first team, you know, defense, I think that says something. What's Justin Fields against Buffalo this next preseason uh, on Saturday? He's going to be getting first team reps. So I think if he does well, then I'm willing to be like, all right, I'm really excited here. But yeah, I, I think if you're coming in in like the second, third quarter, and you're playing like third string, fourth string guys, it's like, I, it's good. It's exciting, I guess. But at the end of the day, what does it really matter? I, I, I think if, you exactly. And I think if you're not playing well in the preseason, I think I'd also be concerned about that. Especially almost because I you wouldn't. guys aren't necessarily going all out, like you said. If you're a rookie quarterback, you're definitely trying to prove yourself. If you don't rookie quarterbacks, I, I, I disagree with that strongly, Sammy. I all right, that's I think that we see guys like like Quarterbacks used to sit for an entire year. Eli Manning was horrible for an entire season. It, these players, not everybody is going to come out and light the world on fire like Justin Herbert did. You know, players need time to develop. I think it's unfair to judge them based off of. I think you have. I, I don't like to judge a rookie quarterback until after their rookie year. Hmm. I don't know. <sighs> Obviously, there are drastic scenarios. But players can improve. Like it's not just uh, you're good or you're not thing right away. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. But I, I think you still have to. It's something. It doesn't mean nothing. It's not. I, I kind of think. I think preseason means nothing. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think if you're playing first team and you're playing well, I think you should be encouraged by that. I don't. I, I. I'm not sure. Anything, sure, encourage, but I don't think anything is a final like. This is the end all be all. What this quarterback is going to be, and that's fair. It was, but I think there is a level of encouragement and excitement that you should get from seeing your quarterback do well against first team in preseason, and there should be a level of concern if he doesn't do well, especially if it's a quarterback they're expecting to be good right off the gate, or that you don't really have that many other options at quarterback or you're in a win now sort of situation. If you're a team that's clearly like at the very beginning of a rebuild, you have a rookie quarterback. Yeah. Give him time, let him develop. But if you're trying to be good right off the bat and he's not good in preseason, that's concerning to me. So I think the bears are trying to be good. So it was good to see Justin Fields do well, but 
we can go on and on, I think, about the preseason quarterbacks. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that'll do it, Jack. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about a lot more football the next few weeks, for sure. Just Definitely will be. But uh, fun episode. We had a lot to talk about. Lots of the past few weeks. We'll try to get more consistent with uploads. It's just tough with school and the summer. We'll do our best. We promise. That's always what we'll give. And uh, another 110%. Episode, another fun episode. What wouldn't you say, my friend? Fun episode. Definitely. Fun episode. So, uh, Jack, any last words here today? I have no last words. I'm ready to get into the football season. All right. So, I'm actually going to switch it around here today. Jack, Ooh. you are going to take us out. So, uh, just. Oh, I'm excited. Bye.